Are we okay. good? Welcome to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the Oreos. I'm going to bed. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Screw you, Amy Sherman Palladino. <laughs> I love you, but I hate you. Hola, como estas? <laughs> Bienvenidos. <laughs> no, nope, I'm going to do a different intro. <laughs> Mis amigos. What the heck? <laughs> We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. Yeah, welcome back. I'm GB, and that was Candace. In case you forgot who we were. So today we're gonna talk about things in the arts that have inspired us, or have given us an emotional moment of catharsis or some relief from what we were going through. And uh, we just want to share those moments with you so that maybe you can check them out um, and, and feel some of what we felt for those things. Um, do you want to start out with one of yours? Actually, let's start with one that we both share. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so Gilmore Girls is a pretty big deal to both of us, right, Candace? Amen. Praise hands. Hallelujah. We love it. <laughs> um, so for me, on my end, when I was in high school, um, I, I had just started, I was a freshman. People kept calling me Rory, and I didn't understand the context because I had not watched Gilmore Girls. And finally, somebody explained to me what the nickname was. And uh, I guess it was because I was like quiet and smart and uh, I guess look a little bit like Alexis Bledel looked when she was on the show. And so finally, I decided to dig in and watch Gilmore Girls. And it had thankfully just gone into the uh, the rerun, the reruns on uh ABC Family at the time, and so I got to start from the beginning. I remember watching, I think it's the second episode of the entire show, where um, Rory is talking to her mom about how excited she was to be changing schools, and she's like, I even dressed for gym and played volleyball, and then learned that I should never play volleyball because I am not good at organized sports, and I was like, ah, you are me. (laughs) this is a thing. Um, and so pretty much her entire like first day at Chilton was my first few weeks starting at this new high school where I didn't know anybody. So it was, for me, it was like the first time I had felt seen as a person by something that I watched on TV. It was the first character that I saw myself in. And it kind of has continued to be that way. Even, even when people hate her, it still reminds me of my life so so there's that but Candace you kind of you kind of relate more to Lorelai yeah I feel like you know growing up everybody's like what's your favorite Disney princess like blah 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 and you try to find the one that you know has the same hair color as you and like you know isn't like all the other girls blah 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 but I feel like when I got to middle school that's when I started watching Gilmore Girls and Lorelai Gilmore became my Disney princess like (laughs) that was everything that I could ever want to be was her and um you know without getting too into it I feel like we all have 
moms, right? That's a thing. <laughs> yes, and we all, we do, all do. Carrying relationships with our mothers. That's and, true. Um, obviously, I was in middle school and had never had a baby at 16. And so the, the dynamics weren't identical, but there were a lot of times that I felt um, also seen in the Emily Lorelei relationship at times. And um, I just found that thoroughly entertaining. And um, it's just great to watch well-written female characters. And, yeah, uh, for sure. Let's just talk about Amy Sherman Palladino for one second, shall we? Amy, what are you doing to us? No, I mean, she's a spectacular writer who has such a specific voice, which I think is why Gilmore Girls is what it, what it is and means so much to so many people is because it, it speaks in such a different language than anything else. And Amy is particularly gifted at that, given, you know, the kind of language that marvelous Mrs. Maisel speaks in as well, which we both also love. Yeah, I feel like Amy Sherman Palladino is rivaled only, in my opinion, by like an Aaron Sorkin. Like, yeah. They just write on this intelligence plane that is way above everything. Above the rest of us. I yeah. feel like um, Aaron Sorkin is kind of the like male, logical, left brain writer version. And then Amy Sherman Palladino is the like female pop culture right brain version. And, but they're very, they're the like different sides of the same coin. Yeah. I'm, and I love them both. Uh, go watch West Wing. I'm not going to list that as one of my main inspirations in life. Or the newsroom, rather. The newsroom, yeah. I have a degree in communications and sort of kind of studied um, television broadcast and soon discovered that was not for me. But the newsroom almost made me want that life. I think it makes everybody want that life. Like, I could be an investigative journalist. <laughs> I could blow the top off of the truth. That was another thing, like, that I thought about when I gave up on acting, was like, if Rory Gilmore is a journalist, maybe I should look into it, too. <laughs> but then, I mean, for me, coming back around to Gilmore Girls, um, like, here recently in my life, well, let's talk a little bit about the revival. When we first watched it, we agreed that we hated it. Correct? Oh, yeah, that was not fun. That was, not, that was nice. not a good time because we had these like built up characters in our heads that we both related to and, and both kind of look like <laughs> and, and love very much. And then to kind of see them not doing well and like not fulfilling their potentials and like seeing them hurting so much it didn't feel good to watch like I I remember we were all just kind of bummed out about the whole thing um yeah like just not pumped about it yeah I'm just sitting here frowning because I'm remembering everything that happened in the revival yeah. but um but yeah I mean give them the quote that you always say about Amy Sherman Palladino there's a, right after I watched the revival, uh, the Gilmore Guys podcast posted this uh, Instagram pic of this needlepoint <laughs> thing that said, 
Amy Sherman Palladino doesn't care about your personal happiness. And I was like, yep, that checks out. <laughs> Amy Sherman Palladino does not care about your personal happiness. She, she does always not. had a story to tell. And just for the sake of anyone who has not yet discovered the wide world of Gilmore Girls, we're not going to talk about what happens. No spoilers. Try my best not to. <laughs> Here's something you should know about me and Ginny Beth. There's nothing, nothing <laughs> more than a spoiler. I, I think that as an artist, a storyteller, that is just a hateful, horrible thing to do is <laughs> to, to spoil the ending. Um, but Ginny Beth does this to herself. <laughs> Fun. Uh, and I love doing it to other people as well. I love, I don't know, I, I like to think, I'm not a mischievous human being at all. I'm typically like the grandmother of the group. It's like, what are you doing? But um, I love spoiling a TV show or a book or a movie for somebody. I love it. It just brings me joy. <laughs> but and I won't let it happen to you. Okay, fine. But, like, legit, if there's a TV show that I don't want to watch all the way through, I'll just read what happens so I know, so I have the knowledge. <laughs> like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Which she hated, because I'd be like, yeah, this happened. And she's like, you don't even watch it. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. No spoilers today. No. Um my second time watching the revival was unfortunately during quarantine, which was not a good time to watch it. Um, but given how much I've been through in like the two to three years, I can't remember how many years ago it was when it came out. Um, do you remember how many years ago? It was right after you moved out, I think. 2017? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was right after you and Andrew got married. Yeah. Um, so 2017, it happened, and we all hated it. And now, three years later, when I've been through some ups and downs and, and like, lost a grandparent myself, um, and, and that's essentially the through line of the revival, is those three women, uh, Emily and, and Lorelai and Rory, are dealing with grief for the first time in a big way after losing um, the, the patriarch of the family, Richard Gilmore, who sadly actually passed away in her life, which is a real bummer. Um, but seeing how now, how I've been through that process of losing a grandparent and looking at Rory and Lorelai's actions, like it makes sense to me now. I don't hate it as much as I did because I understand the headspace that those women were probably in when some of the poor decisions that get made in the revival uh, took place. And it, and it hit me, it hit different, it hit different this time. Um, like Rory being sort of afloat and not kind of knowing what she wants to do and then redirecting and especially redirecting toward, I said redirecting, um, redirecting towards writing a book and writing a story about her life and her mother's life, it, it hit, it hit different. It, it makes sense. It checks out to me now. And, um, and, and Gilmore Girls spoke into my life all over again when I least expected it. So thanks so much, Amy Sherman Palladino. Mad respect. Yeah. So in summation, if you haven't watched Gilmore Girls, do yourself 
a huge favor and get on that. My husband loves it. Yeah. We love it. I haven't really met many people that don't love it. Yeah. Um, it's for men and women alike. So yeah. check it out. See if it'll speak into your life the way it's spoken into ours. Yeah. All right. So let's follow that up with um, something outside of the realm of film and television, because honestly, that's where most of my inspiration finds me is those platforms. But you yeah. have one that was yeah. outside of that. I do. I um so speaking towards that weird time in my life I was going through that I can relate to the Gilmore Girls revival. I had uh lost a job that I cared a great deal about like a few days right after the funeral of my of my grandmother and it was a weird time. <laughs> like I think by the end of that week I was uh sitting in Spider-Man Far From Home because I hadn't got to see it yet. Not yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home. Cause I hadn't got to see it yet. Just eating cheesecake and crying. <laughs> that was, that was my week. And, um, and so I, I had a rough couple weeks where I just didn't go anywhere. I, Candace thankfully helped me, you know, find a, a part-time job that I got to work with her, but I was having a minute, you know, I was figuring life out and struggling. And so I decided, um, just, out of the blue that I was going to use this random 20 bucks that I happen to have and go to the Hunter Museum, which is a, an institution here in, in Chattanooga, um, a really lovely establishment. And I was going to see if, if that visual art form would speak to me. Um, I know that a lot of the time when someone creates a work of art, they pour the thing that hurts them the most or, you know, their, their hurt and their pain and their emotions into that art. And I, I wanted to, to feel that. I wanted to experience what other people had poured into their art. And I didn't have high hopes because I've honestly never had much of an experience with that uh, art form before it, that it made me feel things, but it, it genuinely did. I went and, um, there were so many pieces about people creating in, in the worst times of their lives. And um, there, there's this one like expressionist painting there that takes up the entire wall of that room. And, and there's a, a plaque on the wall next to it that talks about how that form of expressionist painting started out during, I think, World War II, because people were feeling such intense emotions that they just expressed them in, in the biggest possible way. And there were so many examples of stuff like that, that gave me hope to just kind of keep moving forward and to create as I moved forward. Um, one that particularly got me was this um, portrait of, I think it was Sojourner Truth on a, a palette, a wooden palette, and it was called Hope. And the artist had taken these mason jars and, and put little pieces of things that inspire him and remind him to be hopeful in those jars. And it just reminded me that, you know, art is the, the highest form of hope, which is a quote that I stole. It's not from me. But um, yeah, that was that's kind of been my most recent experience with a with a different art form than I'm normally accustomed to being involved with. I love that quote. That's beautiful. Yeah. Art 
is the highest form of hope. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Who said it? Do you know? Um, no. We're going to look it up. We're gonna we'll look, look it up. up. We'll look it up. We'll get, we'll get back to you. Well, I love that. I feel like I have a great appreciation for visual art. Um, there are definitely some that I don't get sometimes, but um, I think that's really cool that, you know, especially when, how do I want to phrase this? You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, Twetty. You know, obviously we all have heard that art is open to interpretation. Um, and so sometimes, you know, five different people can look at one work of art and get five different things from it. Um, but I think that it's cool that in a time of need or longing or, um, emptiness in your life, you can go to art and it can fill something inside of you. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a very spiritual thing. If you kind of correlate, you know, spirituality and then, you know, turning to art for comfort, like they go hand in hand. And so that's when art becomes something more than just entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think that's pretty cool. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're talking about what we are inspired by. Because, um, you know, like we talked about in our other episode with Abigail, you know, you take anything that is your experience and turn it into art. And it's not just for you anymore. It's for a lot of people and and their experience. So for me, um, one of mine that is outside of the realm of film and TV is not very far removed. It is just another podcast. And I, uh, I might have an obsession. It might be one that I didn't even know was happening to me, but uh, talking about the things that we were inspired by and what our list was going to consist of. Jenny Beth was like, well, obviously you're going to talk about this. Right. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I have to because I talk about it all the time. You really do. Like you, <laughs> I going through the phases that I've been through lately, and like you know, working on my mental health. Candace is like, let me talk to you about this podcast because <laughs> I want to use this human being's words to speak into your life. Yeah, some people have gurus, and they have a therapist, and they have really, um, you know well-spoken people that that help direct them in their life. I have Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> um, he has a podcast called Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, yeah, it's meant to sound dirty. And um, he was Lex Luthor on Smallville. <laughs> I was about to say, for context, let's remind everybody who this human being is. Yeah, Michael Rosenbaum was Lex Luthor on Smallville. Uh, a great show. Not going to list it on the things that inspire me for my life, but, you know, a good time. Um, check it out. But he has gone on to have some small successes after that show and uh, is just a very extroverted uh, person who is very interested in people. And I feel like that in and of itself is something that I can sort of relate to. And so he started this podcast so that he could, um, I don't know, just have 
an open dialogue with other artists for the most part. He talks to other actors, um, sometimes musicians, sometimes really great athletes, um, but people who have achieved uh, a level of success in their field. And, you know, he talks about their story. And a lot of times it starts with their childhood and it goes all the way up through their career and the good times and then the highs and the lows. And I think it's just really affected me as someone who is pursuing acting to hear the story of so many different actors and actresses and how they attained success or had to recalibrate their idea of what success even was. And um, it's kind of helped me go from a very uh, jumbled, I guess, actress. There were a lot of things that I wanted to achieve, but I had no way of organizing those thoughts or goals. And um, now I feel like after listening to so many artists and their stories and their experiences, I'm a little bit more organized and clear about what does success even mean for me? What can I be satisfied with? Um, how do I not let myself fall into these traps that maybe other artists did because they were so desperate or they were so, um, their, their perspective was just off. And I think that that's a danger that anyone pursuing a career in the arts faces. And um, so it just has been so helpful for me to listen to him and to listen to all these different artists. But he goes to therapy. He goes to these uh, retreats and he gleans so many little nuggets of wisdom that he delivers surrounded by curse words and uh, fart jokes and all the things that make me more comfortable. (laughs) Anyway, um, he's in no way like, I don't know how to even phrase this. He's rough around the edges, but when he gets down to his point, it is usually something profound that I will share with friends that are going through, you know, any kind of difficulty in their life. I find a way to tie it back to, well, Michael Rosenbaum said on inside of you, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I definitely recommend listening to that podcast 10 out of 10. It's going to make you laugh and it's going to like make you think deep thoughts about, I mean, it's even outside of, the arts. It talks about family dynamics and depression and mental health in general. And um, it's just great. Yeah. From what you've told me, it seems this may be wrong because I don't, I've only listened to one episode. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it, was, it was just the, <laughs> the episode that Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd were on because I love Lord of the Rings. Um, but to me, it seems from what you've told me that he's an individual who's pretty transparent about the time of transition that he's going through in his own life and and someone being honest about where they're at in, in their particular art form, it speaks to people and, and it's spoken to you. Yeah, and I think that that's a lot of what I would like to do with our podcast. I yeah. think that it's like we were talking about with Abigail having a certain level of bravery to just put yourself out there in your writing. It's the same in this platform as well. It's just 
there's no dressing it up. Whatever we talk about is just up to us and how honest we want to be. And I, I think that listening to someone who is super, super, super honest, the good, the bad, the ugly, it makes me feel better. And I'd like to give that to other people, but then at the same time, I'm like, but I must protect my other relationships and not say too much or say anything out of frustration or anger. Whereas he doesn't care if he's mad at somebody, he's just like, well, they're a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He probably uses slightly worse language than he says it. I think he, yeah, he does, but he also is very good about not just saying that and leaving it at that. He gives people the benefit of the doubt and he's good at looking at, you know, maybe the crap that someone has done, but also trying to see where they're coming from and why yeah. they did that in the first place. And I think that that's a very healthy way of uh, trying to deal with frustrating situations that you get into with relationships. So basically, in summation, listen to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum because it is transparent. It is mental health being discussed. It is the arts being discussed. And it is great. And in summation, since we've discussed no negative self-talk, I'm not going to correct her for saying summation instead of I didn't. I said summation. You said summation. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a toot head for bringing that up. I'm sorry I did it. Well, if I did, my mouth betrayed me because my brain knows that summa- summation. Oh, my gosh. It's what? <laughs> my mouth. My little mouth. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've had another one that I was going to talk about, but here now in the midst, now that we're in it, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I was going to talk about The Holiday, which is a mushy romantic film by Nancy Myers, and Kate Winslet's character in it is going through like unrequited love, which was something that I have experienced a lot of in my life because vulnerability freaks me out. Um, But I've kind of switched gears in my brain because um, here lately, and, and that movie did make me feel seen as well, just like Gilmore Girls. Like I'd never seen a movie where somebody talks about what it's like to just be one-sided all the time. (laughs) But, um, but doing more pondering while we've been talking, um, Another art form, one that I'm starting to get into, is writing. And right now, I'm currently, um, I, I'm helping take care of a, another uh, grandparent that's not doing very well. And while I'm, you know, hanging out with my parents at their house, I am working on an adaptation, a stage adaptation of the book Little Women, which is something that has kind of been with me my my whole life um when I was a kid I loved the great illustrated classics version (laughs) mainly because it was shorter and had pictures um but there was something even when I had the like watered down version of the book there was something so magical about those first few chapters when they're like having Christmas and they have they just like uh, Louisa May Alcott describes the big breakfast they have together and just like that spirit of sisterhood (laughs) as an only child really spoke to me. Um, But then it sort of followed me my whole life in terms of um, one of the biggest roles that I've ever gotten in a musical was um, 
playing Joe March in Little Women, the musical. And um, I've just loved the film adaptations my, my whole life. The one with Winona Ryder was, was my fave, even though I know a lot of people talk that one down. But, you know, Christian Bale is better than Tim Mateo Chalamet. You heard it here first. Um, I don't know if that's true. Timothy hot, take. hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Um, Timothy Chalamet does do a pretty good job, actually, but I, I do have a soft spot for Christian Bale. Um, but yeah, just it coming around and, and having a theater like ask me to direct it now and and write my own adaptation. It's um, it's hitting me in a weird a weird space because it feels like it's coming. Little Women is coming around again during a time in my life when when I need <laughs> when I need to have Joe March speak into my life again, and it's uh, it's a really sweet thing because it's a story about you know growing up and family and and the bitterness of, of grief and losing people that mean a lot to you. And then the, the struggle of, um, you know, trying to stand on your own two feet and be somebody that, um, you know, I, I can't contributes with their art and contributes with their hard work, but also that loneliness that comes from, choosing that path a little bit and the ups and downs of like, you know, love and, and family and, and everything to navigate there. That's, that's what Little Women is. And it continues to follow me and hopefully always will. The, the Greta Gerwig one that just came out makes, makes me ball. I saw it with um, two gals that are like my little sisters and, and we all cried. I don't think Liz cried that much because she doesn't feel feelings. No, she does. She just doesn't expose them like like Madeline does. I don't typically expose them that often, but in a dark theater, I'll cry. It's fine. It's a manly. It's manly. <laughs> I don't know why I said manly. Your, it, your main goal in life is to be manly. My main goal is to be dignified, and that's how I felt. Um, but yeah, it continues to follow me, and, and hopefully I'll get to... Um, Hopefully my adaptation won't suck <laughs> and I'll get to um, channel my voice through through Joe again and uh, share this beautiful story about about love and family and navigating life and, and feeling gratified by what you do to uh, to another audience again. So there's there's my last one. Do you have another one, Candace? Um no, we've we've ch touched on it a little, and it it just loops back to Amy Sherman Palladino because I love, Maisel. yeah, I love Maisel. I love it so much, and it's nothing that I have pursued or anything in real life. But man, does it make me want to be a stand-up comic so bad. <laughs> Honestly, I think you'd be great. And we've talked about what I think your niche would be. I don't know if we should talk about it on the podcast if you don't feel comfortable. But um, she has her niche, her like divorced, disgraced housewife niche. And you have a different niche entirely. But I still think you could mine it for comedy gold. Well, yeah, I, I think, 
you you can tell them your theory. I just don't know that it would work in real life. I don't know. Leave us with an audience of Jenny Bell. A con- leave your comments down below. I don't know if that's a thing that happens with podcasts, but you can. Um, <laughs> you commented on a podcast. That's, that's what people. That's what people say on YouTube vlogs. Yeah, but that's just that's how YouTube works. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. But we'll leave you some some way of contacting us when we uh, post all of this. Let us know what you think about this. If this is a horrible idea, stop us in our tracks. But Candace has told me... Oh, I'm going to tell... I think this is a bad idea. But go ahead. You do think it's a bad idea? I, I don't want it to be a bad idea. I would want it to work. But I just... My theory is what people would say in the comments is that it wouldn't. Well, that's fine. I, I mean, we genuinely need to know because her comedy career is going to be in the future <laughs> if this doesn't work. <laughs> um, but Candace has told me a wide variety of humorous and sometimes downright terrifying stories um, that I think at some point may translate into humor, but may not. Um, from her experience when she um, had leukemia, um, she, it was 2012, so you were how old? It was uh, 2012, so I was, well, I turned 20 in, in the midst of my treatments. Right, and, and like, there's a lot of stuff that we folks who have experienced good health our whole lives, there's stuff we don't know about that process, man. <laughs> and, and, like, it's stuff that comes from such a dark time, but now that she's way on the other side of it she's able to tell these stories in a humorous way and maybe i'm just a terrible person for laughing but she tells them in a funny way so she she does it for laughs you know <laughs> i'm not just like oh it hurts so bad and she's like <laughs> no she tells that she sets it up like you know midge nasal talks about her husband cheating on her and them getting a divorce in a humorous way, which is obviously a very painful, emotional time period for that woman. And, and Candace, in turn, talks about the ins and outs of the treatments that she went through and, like, the ups and downs of that experience in a humorous way that makes me laugh some, like, you know, how many years has it been? Seven, six, well, seven years? One name minus twelve. Well, yeah, that makes it eight, but you're not that old yet, so that's what I'm confused about. Oh, yeah, I'm not 28. I'm not even 27. You're not. Maybe you were 19 when it was happening? No, yeah, I was m- primarily 19 when I was going through my treatment, but I have my turning 20 in the 20s or something birthday party, and I had, like, my little tiny pixie haircut, so that's how I uh, keep That was 2013. So you were, like, almost on the other side by that point. What? We're going to get off topic here. We're going to get off topic. My own birthdays are. I don't know. It's fine. But, yeah, so it's been some. I feel like this is something that has come up already in the podcast, but let's just clarify it. Um, We've said that my memory is bad before and said that there are reasons for it. It is is the chemo. Yeah, the cancer. Um, That's the reason memory issues from that and it's fine I can still think enough to be an actress and learn lines <laughs> um, I'm not like impaired truly but partially so. she's not impaired at all she just has a slightly bad memory 
and it's because of the stuff that she went through and yeah many drugs many drugs that happens to a lot of people unfortunately but it is what it is and she's a strong capable independent woman but i might forget your name <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah thanks thanks for supporting me yeah y'all let me know if you want to hear cancer jokes and uh, <laughs> i got them i promise it doesn't it it may not be the right thing, but honestly, some of the stories are just... I think that if I had an audience of all cancer survivors and friends that were close enough to be like, well, obviously you're fine now, to be like, yeah. I don't know, get past it, I think it would land. But I do think that there's a lot of people that wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They wouldn't. They wouldn't know how to react to that kind of content. Yeah. But, you know, you're the, <laughs> I almost said something terrible. I'm going to reel that back in. I was going to compare you to Dave Chappelle, and I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you for you're that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, um, but going backwards, and whatever, you know, whatever my type 10 ends up being, Maisel makes me want to have one. Yeah. Yeah. I just love, I love strong female characters and that's the, the, you know, desire to be a strong female that lives inside me. I love it when I see it represented and, uh, Maisel is just another glowing example from the great Amy Sherman Palladino. And I'm so terrified of what Amy's going to do to her because now I don't trust Amy a hundred percent. Are we going to do like an Amy Sherman Palladino hashtag when we post this podcast? Because I feel like we're calling she, her out a lot. If she listens, she's going to be like, screw those girls. Um, yeah. But yeah, like she, it, it sort of nosedived at a certain point on Gilmore Girls. And I think it was because she was trying to get to the ending that she wanted to have with the show, but it, it put it in a space that we didn't love. <laughs> Um, and so we're scared of what that's going to look like with Maisel, but she's fine. She'll, she'll, she'll conquer it, but she's Maisel, talented and wonderful and it'll be fine. Yeah. But Maisel is a great example of, of why we loved all of this content that we, that we brought up today because she takes a very painful experience, like I've already talked about, and she channels it into comedy. She channels it into an art form that inspires other people and brings up emotion in other people and and something that other people can relate to. I don't know why this is just occurring to me, but that's been the case for every single thing that we listed today. Yeah. I like Michael Rosenbaum because he's gone through crap and uh, he talks to people who have gone through crap and uh, he's made something cathartic out of it and it makes me feel better. And then yeah. uh, Gilmore Girls, I felt like you felt seen and I felt seen in a character as they went through trials. Yeah. Art piece that you loved at the Hunter museum. Yeah. And then Louisa May Alcott, I'm pretty sure just channeled her life experiences largely into little women. And, and so many people have felt seen from what she wrote and, and experienced. So that's pretty much all the ones that have affected us are things that where people shared what was going on with them through art and it resonated with us. Yeah. So that's our list. 
as jumbled as it might have come out, that is the list. We, we are inspired by these works of art, uh, these artists, and uh, we'd love to hear what you're inspired by. So when all of this comes out, we're going to have a social media platform of some sort, maybe a, a few. And yeah. uh, we would love to just hear from you. What should we watch, listen to, look at uh, to find some more inspiration, especially yeah. as we're all going through this quarantine time? Yeah. What, what art inspires you? Let us know. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us again today. Yeah. We love you. We love you very much. We hope you go out and find all the art that inspires you. Yeah. And I know we're not perfect podcasters, but we're doing the best that we can here. Wait, what? (laughs) You ruined the title. It's we're all just doing our best here. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. Psych. You thought we were gone, but only Jenny Beth is gone. This is Candice. I'm coming to you from the future. So... You should be uh, so lucky as to be talking to someone from the future. Um, No, it's been a few months since we recorded this, and we have since launched our Instagram and our website, and I just want to give you a little bit of info about where you can find us. So if you would like to email us any questions, uh, any uh, observations on things that we've talked about, any suggestions for great content that we can watch, listen to, see, uh, go to questions at doingourbesthere.com. That's where you can email us. Um, or you can find us on Instagram at doing our best here pod, doing our best here pod words. Um, and the link to our website is there. Uh, you'll get a little bit of content from us and our weirdness. Um, and we can't wait to interact with you. So I hope that you're all having a wonderful October, a wonderful spooky season, and I love you, and bye!